It's interesting, as a pastor, I've been preaching Easter for decades. Just like Christmas, I I approach the text and go, Lord, is there something new? (laughs) Have I missed something? And even this week, the the Lord said, I got something, something fresh for the church. Something that someone in this church needs to hear. So if you guys have your Bibles, you can use your iPhones, your iPads. We're going to put it up on the screen. But we are a, we are a church. That, we are people of the book. We, we believe in text. We need to know that it's coming straight from the source. The truth will set you free. We're going to look at Matthew 28, the resurrection account from Matthew's gospel, the New Testament in your Bible. There's an Old Testament and a New Testament. Matthew is the first gospel. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So Matthew. Matthew 28 and verse 1 to 10. And there it is. In the English Standard Version. Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. Just that story would have been fantastic in itself. Some of you had been through an earthquake here. I was not here at that time. But just in that moment, to feel the ground shake and then an angel sitting and moving this massive stone. The stone was as thick as the piano, as big as the piano, and it took six, seven men to try to move it. And the angel goes, and he's sitting on top of it. And these women come up. Verse 3, he, his appearance was like lightning. And his clothing is white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. Probably passed out. Scared to death. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid. For I know that you seek Jesus, who is crucified. He is not here. For he, was, he has risen. And he said, come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with great fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them. Jesus met them and said, greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Karl Barth says this. He says, what happened on that day day of Easter, became, was as remained the center around which everything else moves. Everything lasts its time, but the love of God, which was at work and was expressed in the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, lasts forever. 
Because this event took place, there is no reason to despair. And even when we read the newspaper, with all of its confusing and frightening news, there is always and every reason to hope. I want to look at four key words this morning that stood out for me when I was doing my preparation. Come, see, go, and tell. Do you recognize where that verse is? Look at that verse. In verse 6, it says, Come and see the place where he lay. Verse 7, Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. The angel speaking to the women, the women at the tomb, bids them to come. At this moment, you imagine like these, these Roman praetorian soldiers that had been staying right beside this tomb through the night. They see the angel and they just keel over like, like they were dead. Not the women. I just love that the women just were, they were still cognizant. They were still conscious. And, they, and the angel says, don't be afraid. But they're just on the edge. There's the tomb right there. And the angel says, come. Come in. You, see, the thing is, what it, that, that, that hits me this morning is, it's like this thing that we have in Canada. The CBC has this, for the Canadians in the room, remember participation? Participation. There was like these PSAs that would be on TV. Participation. It's about getting Canadians up and moving so they can lose weight and, and not have huge strains in our universal health care. Um, but so it's not participation, but it's participation. Remember that? Participation. Okay, anyways, there's Canadian here and Canadian here. That's it. Okay. But I, what I love about this is in Christianity, in this biblical Christianity that we're called into, we are to participate in community. This is not a solo thing. Together, as Etifano, we, we come into community. Yes, it's done individually. The women had to choose in that moment, do I go into this tomb? Christianity, I tell you right now, ladies and gentlemen and children, it is not a spectator sport. You cannot stand at the edge of the tomb and go, yeah, it's as far as I'm going to go. Right? And sometimes we've seen kind of the, the arm, armchair Christian or the Sunday Christian where they're like, ah, I might just do one step in and one step out. I want to have my, my time in the church, but I really like the bar and the, and, the, and the carnal ways of the world. But like I could do this, right? Just kind of peer in. Jesus says this morning, come. Come in. Come into the tomb. Because the tomb is where death was. I said was, not is. That's where the death was. But you have to come. For some of you, you've been sitting on the edge of the tomb for a year, 10 minutes, 10 years. You've been hearing this message of, Jesus, of Christianity, biblical Christianity, this Jesus-centered Christianity, and you're like, yeah, no, I'm just not fully into that. Maybe when I have 
uh, when I'm married and I have kids and I've got a good job and then I've got some disposable income, I've gone to Australia, I, you know, I've done all these things first, maybe I'll come. But then you get hit by a bus. We, I'm not trying to be morbid, but the sense of mortality and the sense of urgency is, he didn't suggest, I think you should come into the tomb. He said, come. Come. The resurrection message is one of activation. So participation, action. You kind of got to do something. It's a verb. Get off your butts and do something. Get your hands out of your pockets and put your hands up. Start singing. For I, don't, I, I just do want to say, old chap, I don't sing, actually. I said, who, t- who told you that you can't sing? I remember 80-year-olds would come up to me like, I, I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to, I went to the Church of England and I don't sing. I said, who said? He said, I didn't get that memo. The disciples didn't get the memo. The Acts 2 church didn't get that. I said, man, you've been sitting on the sidelines, not coming into a place of worship because of your own, I don't know, silliness. It is. It's just absolute silliness. Well, what if God asked you to not only raise your hands, but come down here and do a dance? Yeah. Oh, be like, John. Oh, listen, old chap, I'll sing, but I won't dance. Okay. But I think there's a message here of activation. Pin, you know, pin your ears back, put your head in a swivel. Like, get in the game. But somehow you've just allowed the church and the things that are going on in the church and things that are happening in people's lives, just like the Facebook feed, just go, they're just going by you. And you sit there sometimes in offense like, oh, wow, I never got personally invited. Oh, my gosh. Stop being offended. Right? Stop being offended. It's your own stupid, dumb fault that you didn't get involved. Like, in, in all good grace and love. But, like... But I've met so many people in my office going, oh, I can't believe I was never asked. And, 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 you know, this is just a travesty. I'm like, it is. Who told you that you weren't allowed? Who told you to stop activation? Come. 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 And then here's the second word. See. The angel says for the women to enter the empty tomb. Take it all in. Visually, like sensory, like take it all, smell. There was, he was supposed to be wrapped in, in linens with, with aromatic herbs. So it was a sensory overload as they walk in. It wouldn't have smelled like death or rotting. It would have smelled beautiful, actually. See it, observe it, examine it. Sensory connect to the space. Something that someone said to me, um, I think it was Crystal on Good Friday, some of you were here for Good Friday service. But it was a sensory time as well. We had the, the lighting dim and the red light on and the candles and the images of the 12 stations and the music. People just came out of it going, it was just like a sensory like blessing. It was just, just a, a full meal. And Chris was like, all we need to do is just get the sense. Like maybe we can just light some incense of like frankincense or something. And that would have been just amazing to walk in, to enter, to see. More than anything, it's not what you see, 
Better it's what you don't see. Where's the lifeless body of Jesus Christ? They walk in and they're going, Is he, did they hide him? Did they take him away? Where's the grave clothes? And all they see is strips of linen scattered on the floor. He's gone. They see the massive stone slid off to the side and exposing this tomb. They don't see the Roman Praetorian guards standing and ready at guard. They're like passed out on the floor. Christianity is about observation and connecting to the true message of Jesus Christ. Nothing more and nothing less, full stop. We don't have to complicate this amazing story. Simple story. We see a basic story here. The crazy thing that there are places and people to this day that try to overcomplicate it. Make the message even harder to believe. Or they deny the story and these eyewitness accounts. We, church, are called to come and see. Now is the day for you to see. This morning we need to pray, Lord, open up my eyes and let me see you. But then go, go see and go. With an energy and a purpose, they ran to the disciples. I was thinking about doing a sermon, maybe next year's, I'll wear all my, uh, my workout gear and I would do my whole sermon while I'm running. I'll just run around you and circle you. Because the whole entire resurrection story is running. The disciples are running. The women are running. There's just a constant energy. They're like, physical, physical. You know, like, let's go. Let's get physical. There's no kind of like sitting down and stroking your beard going, let us have a ponder of this. No. It is action, it's movement, it's like go see and, and, and then tell. When I was in the army, I remember my sergeant major uh, would always uh, yell to us, we were never allowed to walk. We were never allowed to walk and put our hands in our pockets. So it was always walking. But I remember if, if the sergeant major ever saw us, he'd yell at him like, move with a purpose. And, and you're like, even if it was in the bathroom, like, yes sir, we're going. <laughs> to the bathroom, like, and like, my sergeant major would see us and like, hey, you slackers over there, move with a purpose. And we're like, I don't know, who is this? And we'd be trying to figure out like, where's this voice coming from? Jesus? I don't know. Like, and then all of a sudden, everyone that was in that vicinity would just, just okay, we're going. Like, but we just, this is the message, move with a purpose. Don't just go and like, as I'm going to go down to Galilee, I'm going to stop off at you know, muffin break, grab a couple croissants, like, woo, move with purpose. People in the Bible moved to an immediate action when they were touched or they were energized by God. The Samaritan woman in John chapter 4, she has this encounter with Jesus. Jesus ex expresses about her sin and, and her relationship, and she has a, just a transformational moment with Jesus at the well. And you know what she does? With purpose, she goes straight to the very town that everyone didn't like her. She was an outcast, 
and untouchable, but she goes with purpose to that very town to tell them about Jesus. And you know what that town does? They listen to her. All of a sudden, this, like, this lady that they had, they had outcast, they had excommunicated, comes with this fantastic story about this, name, this guy named Jesus. And so what do they do? They go and investigate. And they come up with her, and Jesus meets them. And then they hear about the kingdom of God. People meeting, encountering Jesus, and the immediacy of wanting to go with him for the rest of their lives. Have you made that decision to, to go see, like, have you made that decision to go with Jesus for the rest of your life? See, two-thirds of the word God means go. It's part of God's heart. It's part of his name. But we just sit back and like, wow, the Lord has to give me four different distinct kind of like, you know, audible directions and, no, like, go, move with purpose. Matthew 28, verse 19 to 20. Later on in that same chapter, Jesus says this, go therefore, and what? Make disciples of all nations. See all the flags? This is this church. Go into all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. But go. What's the last word? Say it like you mean it. Tell. Like the above text commands us to go and tell others about this amazing message. The women are challenged to go and tell the disciples that they have seen Jesus and to meet Jesus. This is what we call a testimony. We all have a testimony of how we ourselves personally encountered Jesus Christ, where Jesus had asked us to come in, take a look, now go and tell someone about it. That's what we call evangelism, or that's what we call missionary work. It's not complicated. Come, see, go, tell. I remember one time we were in Nepal. Just to give you clarity, we were on a missions trip with YOM with Nepal. We went to Nepal. We were in this uh, village in the, in the southern jungles near Tanzan. We were staying in these kind of primitive like mud hut kind of thatched roof um, like huts or like little village houses. And it was, it was early. It was really early in the morning. And we heard this tapping on the, the side of the wall, actually. And this woman, this small little, actually, she was like maybe 12, 13 years old. This little Nepali girl comes up with, uh, I think it was like her mom or her auntie. And so they start speaking in Nepalese to the, our interpreter. And the interpreter says, this, this girl um, has heard about us, that we were in the area because we had spoken at the school. And she has come for um, prayer, uh, for us to pray to our gods for her. I said, okay. I said, what should we pray for? Like, is there something like we need to pray for? And said, she um, has not been able to have her period for many months. Like, and she's in a lot of pain. I said, well, 
that, that's, that's horrible. I'm not, I'm a man. I, but it's, then the girls heard about it and she's like, oh, they started caring for her, loving her. But what we did is we prayed. We came into that situation. We did not stand on the outside and, and start medically go, well, you know, it could just be you need ibuprofen. Like we, we didn't do that. We did talk about ibuprofen later on. We came into that situation and we saw what we needed to do. They're, the next hospital where they were was like days of hiking, an, at least a day of driving. So this was it. We, we were it. So we started to pray. And not big elaborate prayers, oh, Heavenly Father, we beseech you. Blah, 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 blah. No, we just, we just said, Lord, you know what's wrong with this little girl. And she's made in your image. She's made, she's made in your image. She's, she's fearfully and wonderfully made. This we know full well. And we prayed for healing. And then she left. We're like, okay, well, she left. We didn't know, like, miraculously, did she start to feel better? We don't know. I think she was embarrassed the whole time. So we went about doing our ministry, go tell. We started, that's what we were doing. The next day we were at another school. And we get to the school, or I think it was a church or just an open field, and all of a sudden this little girl and like half her village showed up. And we're like, either this could be a really good thing or it could be because doing work of the Christian churches against the law in that country, I'm like, we could all go to prison. And all of a sudden she comes out to our interpreter and she said, I'm healed. And I'm like, I don't know what all that meant, but all I know is that whatever was blocking is now not blocking, and that she was healed. Well, that just was a chain reaction in her village when she got, got home. And everyone, including the, the elders of their village, were like, we've been praying to our gods, and nothing's been able to work. You pray to this Jesus God, we want to come and take a look. And then they came. And you know what they asked? Tell us about Jesus. Tell us about Jesus. Give me, the, give me the reason why we should deny all of our gods and believe in your Jesus because he healed this little girl. Already they were able to tell and, and testify that the Jesus, the Jesus God did something profoundly miraculous in this girl's life. So we, we said four things. Number one, God loves you. God for so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not die but have eternal life. And that God, his love is so, so immense, so, so we worship, that's why we sing about it. And it's so individual to you. So for them, they believe in 330 million gods. But for them to say that one God personally sent their son to die for them so they could have a relationship was transformative. But I said, wait, there's more. Number two is our problem. We have a, 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 we have a condition. It's called sin. Sin separates us. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. So we shared this with this village, and they said, the gift is, is free. And they just were like, well, what are you talking about? How many sacrifices do I need to do? How many, how many goats do I have to sacrifice? They said, one sacrifice. 
Jesus did it on the cross. You'll never have to sacrifice again. But everyone has this nature, this heart problem, and it's sin. Sin separates us. No matter how good you are, how much money you give to charity, sin separates. I remember saying to someone, you know, when our kids were younger, and I, we'd, they'd be fighting in the back, or, and, I, and I look back, I'm like, we never taught them that. Well, they didn't get taught that by, our, by us. That's just who they are. It's in our DNA. Sin. But number three is this, the solution. That the heart of the gospel is that Jesus comes to forgive you of your sin. And he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So I love that Billy Graham has this picture where, where it's like man is on one side and God is on the other and there's this huge chasm where it's sin and the only thing that can bridge that chasm is the cross. But what we try to do is we said good works or, or like being a good person or, or like maybe I go to church, just church attendance, bums and seats will get me to heaven and I tell you it is not. It's believing and receiving that Jesus Christ died for your sins to set you free. And our response, ladies and gentlemen, is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not on your own doing, but it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one can boast. Ephesians 2, 8, 9. So I shared this gospel message to this Nepalese village and it was like a light bulb just turned on for so many of them. No more do they have to kind of blindly go into their temples and, and sacrifice goats and, and let the blood pour all over the floor and walk on it and put it on their foreheads. I said, no more do you have to do that. His blood shed once and for all. They got it just like that. We as a church believe in this gospel. And I believe that there is a clarion call for us to respond. I'm going to invite Crystal to come. And then there's that one song that we were singing earlier on, Tremble. And the, 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 it, was all, it was all about Jesus. And as we, as we just come into this space, I really believe that there are some people here this morning that have heard this message of the gospel, this resurrection message. And God is starting to kind of Pull on your heartstrings. That's okay. My job is to get you to think about your walk with Jesus. Do I want you to attend church? Absolutely. I need you here every Sunday. Not because I need bums and seats. Because I want you to understand the love of God. The hope that he brings. The faith in a world where it is almost faithless. And that you would be the ambassadors of Christ's love to this world to come, to see, to go, and to tell that he is risen. He's risen indeed. Why don't we stand and just respond in singing first?